For more information on how you can be challenged for the purpose of change, visit us at patmosreality.com. Welcome back to the Patmos Podcast. I'm here in the studio with Zach Patterson. Hey, how's it going? Adonis Reeves. Hey, guys, what's up? Ian Brockway. My name is Chet Lowe, and we're continuing our series <laughs> through... What? <laughs> no, that's good. You're all laughing at me here, so I was wondering what I did wrong. But and you don't get I'm to just talk gonna today. leave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> completely disregarded me. Oh, did I get yeah. to you? <laughs> Oh, no, you said Ian, you, so said, you didn't give him a chance to talk. You said, oh, you're like, Donna What's up, guys? Ian, Ian Brockway, and I'm going to get it. In. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so I guess I'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> so are we going to talk about the Bible today? Yeah, so we're back <laughs> on the Bible, and uh, Ian is a very important part of this uh, podcast. <laughs> Flattery, it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite <laughs> truth, man, truth. Uh, but we're going through a series. We're at, actually on the third church as we're discussing these churches, the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and we're relating it practically to our own lives as commendations and exhortations to us so that we know how best and better to be followers of Jesus. So in Rome, we're in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has this sharp, two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who is an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I'll give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one except him who receives it. Which no one knows, I'm sorry, except him who receives it. Lord, we are thankful to be able to go and be in your word and just ask in the name of Jesus that you would give us wisdom now, that we'd know how to hear what the Spirit is saying to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jesus introduces him here, himself here as the one who holds the sharp two-edged sword. He is Ooh. a divider. He is the divider of, with the word of truth. That's who he is. And the Bible says in Hebrews that the word of God, it divides straight down to the bone. I mean, to the marrow of the bone. It gets right to our core. And he goes, I know your works. And where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And I don't know about you, but where I live, sometimes I feel like we're there. Just driving by some of the billboards that we see, some of the, the on top of some, what's on top of some of the taxi cars, or even some of the, uh, we're watching uh, the Super Bowl, some of the commercials that, up, that are up. It's evident that we might be living in the same kind of area. Yeah. I just like with the churches that we've been able to step into so far, that the Spirit has been faithful to make sure that we understand that he understands. Like, mm. I know where you are. Right, right. I know what you're dealing with. I know what you've done. Mm-hmm. And th- there's a sense of security there, mm-hmm. you know? Like, God knows. Well, our, our moral standard has been eroded and degraded. Mm-hmm. And, and that moral standard, because we stand as a light, we've got a standard in the Word of God that we've got to live by. So we can't base our standard on the world's morality. It's kind of like PG-13. 
Who decided it was PG-13 or rated R? Well, 13-year-old. Yeah, I know. Right? You know, think nah. about it. So we're going to base our morality on some worldly person's explanation of what they think is moral and what is not moral. When I was growing up, you'd never hear a curse word on the television. But the moral standard has decreased. Now, as long as they rate it M, you can show it on public television. So how do we, Pastor Chet, as followers of Christ, separate ourselves, but yet still be in the world? Well, Jesus actually says, he goes, told his disciples, I'm not taking you from this world. I'm leaving you here. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And he kind of gives us some indication. Hold fast to my name. Hold fast to my name. He is the word of God. I'm going to hold fast onto the instructions of Jesus. And I've got to be careful that I don't lower my standard based on the standard of the world. I am keeping my standard based on the standard of of the Lord Jesus. And he says again, number two, don't deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. He says to him, look, you haven't denied faith. Even when you went through your greatest trial, you stayed faithful. So I think faith and the word go hand in hand. All right. So you guys, here we are. We live in this place that Satan dwells. All right. We're filled with immorality. We're filled with debase and degrading things that we see all around us. Okay. So I think we can establish in our modern context, this is being written to us. Now take a look at the problem. I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Tom to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. He says, you've got people in among you. In other words, they're there with you. You've chosen to compromise. You've chosen to compromise. What's the danger of compromise? Well, when you compromise, you're sacrificing holiness. And in 1 Peter 1, 15, God says that we should be holy because he is holy. And if we're sacrificing holiness, then we're not being like God. So. Okay, so then what's our standard? We're, our standard is... Jesus. Whole, okay, Jesus is our standard. But how many of us base our standard on PG-13? Or who we used to be. Okay, exactly. You know, for go ahead, Adonis. No, go ahead. Okay, um, exactly. Like we have a standard that we used to live in, and because we're a little bit better than that, we think, oh, I'm being holy. But holiness is defined by the Word of God. Holiness is defined by the Word of God. You're right. <laughs> is, it, is it Ephesians that good, talks good about um, just the, the being washed with the water of the word? Ephesians three? Ephesians 5. five. Well, let me ask you guys a question. Where, where do you see any areas of compromise in your own life? I mean, if someone's out there and they're listening to us, you know, what are some things that we think would be like, man, this take, is... Take every thought captive. Yeah. When, or, I, when I think about that, it's like it feels almost impossible. And, and the fact that it feels impossible means that I now have an excuse to give into it and I'm not using that perfection, that holiness as a standard. I gotcha. And, and so I'll give in because, well, taking every thought captive isn't even possible. Uh, yeah, I think for me is um, forgiveness. You know, it's, it's kind of like when someone hurts you, it's okay to get, be upset and bitter because it's justified. They actually hurt you. You know, and I begin to compromise in my mind of this is justifiable. Yeah. I think for me, thinking that I could go without being in the word. Hmm. That's a good one, Adonis. Like, oh, I, I, I can, I cannot be in the I'm word I'm feeling today. strong today. Uh, yeah. I yeah. understand. And, 
you know, circumstances throughout the day are going to get me in the word. Mm -hmm. But thinking that I could actually step outside or on my carpet after I get out of bed, thinking that I'm okay without getting in the word. That's amazing. Here Daniel is in his fast in Daniel chapter 10, and he says, your word strengthened me. You know, the word strengthened him. I don't think we, I think we forget what we miss when we're not in the word of God. What are some other areas of compromise? Where do we allow little things into our life that bring us to a place of potentially some big things? I think sometimes I pick and choose who I love or who I'm going to give my attention to. Gotcha. You know, and that, that I think is a, uh, a compromise in regards to the great commandment, love God and love others. Mm-hmm. And if I'm picking and choosing, then my love's, not, uh, my love's not unconditional. My love is conditional based on what I think or what I feel. Yeah, I'm, I'm lazy. So I find that laziness will infiltrate every aspect of my life when I give it any room. So it can start by waking up a little bit later, which then affects my devotional life, which affects my prayer life, which affects every part of my life. Zach, flesh and blood didn't reveal that one to you because that's the point, I believe, of what Jesus is trying to get across here. He's rebuking this little bit of compromise that they've got because he knows where it leads into every facet of our lives. When we choose to crack the door of compromise in our life, it begins to infect and fill the room with compromise in areas that we may not even catch. Um, Surrounded with this lower level of morality, because we're being good in other areas, we won't even realize sometimes where we're compromising because to the world, it doesn't look like compromise. Right. Yeah. Pastor Chet, you had read in chapter 14, but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Meaning, was this church having intimate fellowship and growth and decision-making and heart-to-heart with these people? Or was it just people that were coming in, going, that believed, you know? Well, it seems that it's those that were... Who, are, who taught to Balak. So he's kind of defining what it is because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak. So it almost seems like they're teaching them this doctrine. It almost seems like they're not just there in and amongst. Right. They've allowed them to get to a place now where they're actually communicating. And we're going to see in the next church how that communication has now led them to a doctrine that they actually believe because they allow this little bit of compromise. And this speaks to me and asks asks me a question of what does my circle, my accountability look like? Great thought. That's a really good thought. You know, because if I've got a lower level of accountability only, then I'm always going to look good and better. And so I'll allow compromises in my life. But if I've got someone that's walking the road with me, who's keeping me in the place of accountability, they're going to be able to point out compromise in a matter of a moment. Yeah, yeah I, I have a question. So I read in verse 13 that they hold fast to his name, and yet I see in verse 14 that they're plagued with compromise. How can they be holding fast to his name yet be plagued with compromise? That's the nature of compromise, isn't it? It doesn't come at us like a freight train. It's just a little crack in the door. And that little crack in the door can be deceitful because I'm, I'm busy about the work of the Lord. I believe in Jesus. I know that he's died for me. I know that he saved me. The nature of compromise is exactly your question. They're holding fast to the name of Jesus. 
They believe in him. They believe he's died for them. They believe that he's resurrected from the grave. They're following him. They're in pursuit of Jesus. But they've got little areas around their life where they are allowing compromise. And I'll tell you, amongst 20-year-olds, I think um, he points out two very important ones, idolatry and sexual immorality. Those are two areas of compromise. Now, when you say idolatry, well, it's the fast car. It's the job that I have to have instead of what the ministry that Jesus wants to give me. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to be in ministry. I'm just saying even our business is a mission and a ministry if directed by Jesus. So our our career and our life and our portfolio become our idol instead of giving everything to the Lord. And then sexual morality, little compromises here and there that lead to a downfall. So in Deuteronomy 8, the word says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And the thing I want to point out is, when you're good, when you're satisfied, and we're talking about sexual immorality, we're talking about satisfying our flesh, and it says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, and it says by, that word's important, by not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which you commanded him today. And I think so often we get, I mean, not I think, I know our goal in life is to be satisfied. Like we're always trying to be satisfied, whether it be by food or with relationships or with idols. We're always trying to satisfy ourselves. And God says, beware that you do not forget the Lord. Right. So in other words, God gives us every blessing and then we make those blessings our idols. And then we forget the Lord because of the blessing. And he's saying that's compromise. I don't want you to walk down that road. And Ian, you mentioned something earlier about even the flesh satisfying. And I want to clarify in that regard. So we get engaged and involved with sexual morality because we want our flesh to be satisfied. And we want our flesh satisfied more than we want our spirit edified. And we give into our flesh instead of choosing to submit to God. And the flesh is, the, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Flesh is very weak. Now, this sexual immorality, this compromise of sexual morality, remember we talked about we're living in this place that Satan dwells. The world doesn't have the same standard that the church should have in regards to how I treat someone of the opposite sex. So where do we, is is there any place that we can find the standard other than the word of God? Because we're talking a lot about we don't see this standard. We don't see the standard in the world. A lot of times we don't see the standard in the church. Is the word the only place that we can find what the standard is? Well, you know, Ian and I were talking the other day and he brought out a scripture that I thought is so appropriate for dance for that. It's Second Peter chapter 1. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything can be found in the word. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Every direction or aspect of life can be found in the word of God. That's another area of compromise I think I find myself in is I think I know the way or I have a way that just I've grown up in Mm. and I don't look for the right way. Okay. So I'm going to go off of my feelings. I'm going to go off of, you know, what I've learned instead of be renewed in the spirit of my mind and be transformed. And I do it in ignorance. Sometimes I don't even think of questioning it. It's like, wow, this is 
wow, sometimes I find myself like, man, did I just do that this way because... Thus the importance of what Adonis said earlier, the vitality of me being in the Word all the time. Mm -hmm. Because even sometimes in ignorance, I'll make the mistake. Yeah. Absolutely. But what happens then? I think it too, it boils down, I'm challenged with my belief in God's character when it comes down to um, my actions and my behavior and my conduct. Like I'm challenged with, you know, right now I'm single and everyone like around me in my sphere is either married, in a relationship, um, engaged, that type of thing. The enemy wants to come at me with something's wrong with you. Mm. The enemy wants to hit me with, wow, you know, your life's really not like everyone else's. When God's character is telling me, I've set you apart. I have a purpose and a plan for you. Mm -hmm. But will I allow the truth of God's word and his character to penetrate and cultivate in my heart? Or will I allow the circumstances and my disbelief in his love for me to um, determine the way I think, Mm -hmm. the way I go? That's a great point. Good thought, Adonis. And and it kind of leads us into um, uh, our next point here in verse 15. He says, Thus you hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, if you remember our last podcast, we talk about these Nicolaitans and how they lorded it over the people. They were, how they lorded over people. They were filled with pride. And if you take, take that for example, that's not the character of someone who trusts in the character of God. Someone who trusts in the character of God humbles themselves before the Lord. Pride is a tactic of the enemy to bring our destruction. And there's two things here he's talking about, compromise and pride. And this pride, it will bring destruction in our, in our life. Now, where are some areas that we're prideful of? And this is part of the deceit of pride that we've got to po- point this out. <laughs> How much minutes we have on this radio? <laughs> well, we're about done. <laughs> no, I want us to think, about, think this thing through. Because the pride can be deceiving, and we could be destroying our own ministries, our own lives, um, because of pride within us. You know, I always say it's easy to speak about being a servant until you're asked to be one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to um, tell everybody else it's important for you to serve until someone says, why don't you do the toilets for me? Yeah, I think one of the areas that I probably struggle in is because I work at a church, because I'm a Christian, I have that pride of like, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm always good, mm-hmm. but really I'm not, you know, and I need to constantly be in that place of what do I need to change? What's wrong with me? You know? Yeah. And I think the Holy Spirit helps us. Um, like when Paul says I'm a chief sinner, mm-hmm. you know, for me, that's always the Holy Spirit reminder of, of like, Chet, try to stay there because you're only good because Jesus died on the cross. By his you grace. Yeah. It's by yeah. his grace alone. And it's so true, man. We can get to a place where we, and here's for me as a pastor, because people are always coming to me for answers. It's like, I'm the answer man. I'm the answer man. And so, you know, I'm here to help you instead of I'm running this race with you. Yeah, well, it's like that Ezra teaching that you teach, the way you lay out biblical counseling. You talk about, I can't help me if I can't remember, but you talk about how when a problem comes to you, mm-hmm. it's either God's prepared you already for it or he's preparing you to walk through it. Or he's, he's convicting you and he's showing you something in your life. Yeah, that's a, it's three things I always look at. I've got someone in front of me. The first is I've done it before. So God's going to use my failure you know, to get me to the place where I use what I've done wrong and say, don't go that way. Mm-hmm. Or I'm in the middle of it. 
and God's going to use this person to remind me, Chet, hear your own words and preach to yourself and choose to change. Or I'm going to do it. That's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And use my words to protect me. And that's what the Lord's doing here, isn't it? He's using the word to protect his people from being destroyed. So my question is, why are we studying this right now? <laughs> and point. why are you listening to this? So you are. <laughs> and, and it's a great point, Ian, because as we're going through this, what areas of compromise are in my life? What areas of pride are in my life? We tend to read the Bible like this is for someone else. Or we tend to read it like a book instead of letting it be like what he says, that piercing sword that goes right to our marrow and we begin to evaluate ourselves. God, is there compromise in my life? God. Where is their pride? Help me deal with it. But you're almost like praying right now. And like I want, I'm asking myself, like, is that how I sound when I come before God? Do I come before him humbly or do I come before him with requests and like, hey, I need this or like show me, show me this, the direction I want to go in my ministry. But how often do I come before him just humbly or not even how often, but is that my constant way of coming before God. Well, the antithesis of pride is humility. Mm -hmm. And I love that scripture, humble yourself before the Lord. And then in Romans, he says, look, don't associate with the lofty, associate with the humble. Mm -hmm. There's a a chet responsibility in that. Humble yourself. You've got to choose the lesser seat. You've got to choose the lesser position. You've got to choose the lesser authority. You've got to choose the lesser power. Humble yourself. Remember what the Lord said, become the slave of all. That, that's what he did. I'm amongst you as one who serves. So this humble yourself thing, man, I don't know. It, sometimes it just rubs me the wrong way. It's like, wait a second. No, I, I, I've got a voice. I, I've, I've got a brain too. I've got a plan. I've got a thought. Use me. You know, that kind of thing that oftentimes I wrestle with. Yeah, I just, I'm... I'm going back to the beginning of just chapter two and verse five, remember Mm -hmm. if I can keep myself in the position of remembering what I needed salvation from, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like we go from there. Yeah. All over Deuteronomy, God's saying that. And it's just remember the Lord, your God, remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which you swore to your father's, but like, that's just one version. It says, and you shall remember the Lord, your God, that led you all the way these 40 years. Like, God's the one that led you. God's the one that saved you. Like, if you remember the Lord and everything that's happened in your life, you're going to stay in that place because you realize you haven't done anything. It's just the Lord. All right. So I'm listening. And actually, I'm Chet's listening. And I know I sounded like I'm <laughs> doing, hey, Chet. so the, the radio is out there listening. But I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm going, okay, what do I need to do? Jesus gives the answer. It's right there in verse 16. Repent. You see, that's our challenge to change this week. It's simple. The challenge is, let's take a look at our life. Where have we allowed the standard of the world to cause us to compromise instead of living by the standard of the word? But not just compromise. Where have I allowed pride to filter into my life? And it causes me not to humble myself before the Lord. This is not just a position of knees on my knees when I pray. This is a position on my knees as an attitude of life. That's our challenge to change. Father, we do come before you and we ask, would you expose us, Lord, and help us change? 
In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Until next time, God bless you guys. Thank you for your support and generous donations. And if you feel led to invest and give, you can do so at patmosreality.com forward slash give.